welcome to the Dale Sabor A Tu Salute podcast by Tadine. I am your host, Chef Carla Contreras. Join me as we steep in the world of Tadine with tea-inspired recipes, steeping tips, and interviews with fellow creatives, foodies, and entrepreneurs from our community. You can find Tadine at Tadine Teas on Instagram and more information in today's show notes. Estrella, welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful and excited for you to be here. Can you tell us who you are and how you serve your community? Of course. Hola, hola. I'm excited to be here. So I'm Estrella. I am the founder and host of Cafecito con Estrellita, a Latinx podcast that guides first-generation scholars through higher education paths and post-grads. And with that intro alone, the best way that I serve my community is through empowering them to keep striving for their higher education to then attain brighter futures and by just continuing to build a loving community with that as well. Amazing. I am so inspired by all that you do. Can you tell us what's in your tasa? What was your last studying tea? So my, believe it or not, my last studying tea, it was last night. It was the Te de Manzanilla. And uh, there's so many tadin flavors that I love, but I always find myself going back to that one simply because growing up, like I shared with you in the past, I was one of the Chicanas that would go to Michoacán, Mexico, specifically Acuiceramo, every December for about a week or two weeks. It was just depending on our schedules. And one of my grandmothers from my mom's side, she lived most of her life allá, antes que venía here in the States. And when I would go over there, we would hang out. And I was like, I remember I was like four or five, you know, growing up. And she would always, I'd be sitting in su casita in the little pueblito. And she would have a té de manzanilla ready for both of us just to drink and talk. And honestly, I don't even remember what we talked about. I just remembered like I felt like such a grown up drinking like tea with her. And I remember she would specifically put sugar. I don't ever remember her putting honey, but both taste really good with té de manzanilla. That is so sweet. I love you sharing that memory. Thank you so much. How do you partner and how do you work with Dadeen? So right now, the way that I'm partnering and working with Dadin is as a long-term influencer. So if you follow me on Cafecito con Estrellita, you may have noticed I've been making videos con Tecito. And it's been such a fun and motivating time, especially because, yes, the name does say Cafecito con Estrellita. So I start my mornings with Cafecito, but I end them with Tecito because... That's self-care, practicing those calm moments for yourself after a long, busy day is so important. And with Dalin Tea, I'm able to do that. It just helps me wind down while watching Netflix or something. <laughs> I love that. And do you put tea or sugar with it at night? It just depends. I'm not going to lie. A veces, I'll put just like a little bit, nothing crazy because, you know, it's before bedtime. And I don't know. I feel like when I have too much sugar before bed, I get nightmares. Pero también a veces I'll have it without tea, but that's because like, I don't know, sometimes I like not too sweet, you know? Yeah, I love it with a little bit of almond milk or oat milk. That's it. And I make like almost like a latte with it. Yes, like a milk tea type of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so good. 
I'd love to talk to you about higher education and what that means to you. Can you tell us a little bit about it? No, of course. I, I really love this question. And I'm still working on putting my responses all in one sentence, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. So what higher education means to me, specifically as a first-generation Latina, is being able to have the ability to transform and uplift my family and my community. So I was just like many first-gen Latinas that, you know, Mexican-American where their parents are immigrants and they were born here. But I was raised low income for, I want to say, majority of my life. I don't have a memory of my parents and I being, you know, all right until I was in high school. And now they're just working class. I, I, I think it's work, we're just all right. And one of the things that I'll never forget from my upbringing is one, I always, always remember to just stay grounded with my roots. That's number one. And number two, because I was born and raised in a certain way in comparison to my peers that I met at these bigger universities that were raised with, you know, parents with careers, parents with connections to be able to help their children through college, to be able to have those connections where they even understood mental health stuff, because that's one thing that I did experience a lot with growing low income is the lack of resources financially, as well as the lack of mental health resources, not just for myself as a youth, as a, a young adult, but also for my parents. And it raised a lot of unique challenges, a lot of unique challenges that not only led to certain things in my personal life, but also led to unique situations with me going through higher ed. And a lot of that led to me feeling isolated, feeling that I didn't really fit in in comparison to my peers, that they were given the fundamental resources since high school, since before high school, to be ready to go to college and graduate and get these really awesome nine to five jobs. Like I always felt like I was always 10 steps behind, even though we were in the same place, in the same institution. And with all of that combined and just knowing I'm feeling all these feelings of I'm alone, I don't have many to relate to, but I need to make it through higher ed so that I can be in a better career position and honor the stories of my loved ones, my ancestors, while also paving the paths for our future generations to come. But I have no idea how I'm going to do that if I'm constantly feeling like I don't fit in and I don't have people to fully rely on. Because even my professors for the longest, I felt couldn't look like me, didn't resonate to me. But Within time, I started to find my on-campus community. I started to connect with first-gen professors, which even though I had these amazing first-gen professors at my community college, and even though they weren't from Latina, Hispanic background, we were still able to bond and connect, and they their guidance just served as a huge support for me at that young age. And then when I went from community college to a four-year, that was the first time ever I started started having mentors that were from Latina and Hispanic backgrounds. My first mentor ever was actually a profesora who was Peruvian. And that was the first time I ever met anybody from Peru because my high school, it was predominantly Latina, Hispanic, but it was, you know, Mexican-Americans and a couple Centro-Americanos, 
but I've never met someone from Peru. So that was just super cool to me. And remembering the way that I felt through mentorship that felt like community, that felt like I was being empowered while navigating a predominantly white research institution, because that's where I was, that was embedded in me that when I graduated from undergrad and was getting ready to transition into my master's, I was like, okay, I want to start something like Cafecito. I'm going to do it, Cafecito con Estrellita. But during that time, she wasn't a podcast. What I used to do, because I didn't know any better. So after work, because I was still working a full-time job when I was at my master's at Cal State Fullerton Spanish. And then after my night classes, I would actually just email, go out in person to different community colleges and high schools and asking them if I could speak to their students. And I really wanted to speak to their students because it meant so much to me to be able to to hear in person someone who looked like me or could at least really relate to my story, to my upbringing, to inspire them to keep going through higher ed. Because I never thought in a million years that someone like me could be enrolled into a grad program. I never thought in a million years someone like me could have a nine to five job where I wouldn't have to be. So my dad's a truck driver and what he does and what I used to do at the time with that full-time job, because I used to teach science classes during that time. I would prep curriculum. I would go out and teach students. I would input data into Excel. That is nothing compared to the heavy load that my dad still currently does to this day with loading things, taking things out, His work weeks, I'm not even being dramatic because, you know, with truck driving and especially here in SoCal, there's crazy traffic. His work weeks range to 55 plus hours a week. And until this day, my mom still has two jobs. And honestly, as I'm literally now realizing while we're talking or mainly me talking, the reason why my parents, we were able to finally be like, okay, is because they've always had to work those crazy hours just for us to be okay from low income to be okay. And I just want to continue being that support, whether it's through social media, whether it's through the podcast. I'm currently working on a book. I'm now in the process of pitching to literary agents. So I manifested this. I feel like my book won't be out till like I'm 30, which is perfect timing because I'm 28 right now. And the only other little preview I can give about that is my book is being written in a way to guide the next generation of Latinas. And then I'm just taking it day by day. So just keep studying, keep supporting your loved ones that are in school, because being able to have that ability to obtain a higher education, to then open more career options for you and uplift your personal growth in a way you never thought you could have happen for you because I grew up very sheltered. So culture shocks were another thing that happened for me. But I really believe in the future of my people. And I don't ever see myself not doing this line of work for the rest of my life. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I would love to know more about your motivation for working within the Hispanic and Latin community. No, of course. And again, it just, it all ties back to where I want, sorry if I get emotional, because I always get emotional with this question. I I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's like I could feel how much our communities want to strive for better, even if sometimes the fear gets in the way, because I'm not going to lie, investing in yourself, 
whether that's going to school, starting a business, whatever that is, investing in yourself, taking time to like cultivate a new path for you. It's scary. Like, yes, we want to achieve that um, quote unquote American dream, whatever that means for everybody. Right. And we also want to find ourselves in a better position where it's just like, not only are we having career advancement and making more money, but we're able to like save for ourselves. We're able to go on trips every now and then and potentially go on trips where we want to take our grandparents or our parents because maybe they weren't able to have the ability. What I mean ability is like the funds or the vacation time to travel like you do. So you want to treat them. It could be anything like that. So when I think about all that stuff and I think about our stories and then I just remember how life was for my parents, my grandparents. I'm very close to my grandparents as well. And I just remember their stories. My grandpa, he was a farm worker, a migrant worker, his whole life up until retirement. And I don't know, growing up, he never looked tired. When I would see him, he was just always so happy. And then there was this one day, you're probably going to laugh at me. Please don't judge me. There was this one day I was sitting in my, my global studies class. Global studies is like international relations. And we were studying specifically about farm workers and farm workers' rights in Florida. And I knew what being a farm worker was. I remember, I even remember there were like a couple of times that like very few times I would go to the fields just nomás para estar ahí, you know, because I was like really small. I mean, I could have worked, but they didn't let me pretty much. But I don't remember what I was doing there. And like, I don't know, like the way mi abuelo and even mi abuela, like they just never complained. Like they just would go to work with this positive little attitude. And then when I would see them on the weekends, they were all happy. And then when I was, we were really diving into that lesson in my global studies class and really talking about the unfairness. Cause that's the thing too. I never remember my grandparents, but then maybe I was too little talking about the unfair wages they would give them, the lack of mistreatment, all those things. And it's just, I remember hearing that in class. And hearing they would make six, seven dollars a basket or something like that. Literally that day after class, I was bawling my eyes out and I called my grandparents. I called my grandpa and I just wanted him to like just tell me everything. And then while I'm crying and asking him to tell me like how was his job, how was everything, he was just answering like it was so normal. Like the treatment they had was so normal. The wages they had was expected. And that said, eventually he did get his American citizenship and he still continued working in farm working. But I remember when I got older, he went from like working in the farms to like, then he started working in nurseries, but it was still around the same thing with picking y cosas así. But I'm just, when I think of that, like what my parents and my grandparents gone through. And then when I think of myself and how, for a majority of my life, I always felt out of place. I always felt I wasn't enough Mexicana. I wasn't enough Americana. And I knew a lot of it had to stem back down to the fact that of just how my culture's history is, you know, and being raised here, you still visiting Mexico and cosas así. That's what I'm just like, I do strive to be a role model. That's why if you notice too, like in my podcast episodes and the way I create my content, the way that I, I talk to my people, even through one-on-one coaching, I do it with a lot of intention because I want to serve them as that role model, as that person that is there to remind them that you can do this and it'll all work out in your favor.
Oh, that was so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. I would love to know, because you've touched upon this, the importance of receiving support. And this is from others or mentors or family or your community. What does that mean to you? No, of course. I love this question. So support, that is the best thing that anybody could give anybody. And this is specifically all to like parents out there, guardians, you know, older even if you don't know exactly what your child who's first gen, second gen is doing, like what they're studying, what career they're building, if you just support them where like you let them do their thing, you make sure they they have a place to stay with minimal chaotic drama, that is the best support ever because then their home life doesn't feel like is if there's too many responsibilities, like responsibilities, but not like too much where they can't fully commit to their school responsibilities or to the career building responsibilities. And then within time, once things keep getting better, then you'll start to see the growth. And then I feel like the best way for the first gen, the second gen, adult kids, whatnot, the best way they could support is simply by even just trying the best way that they can to explain to their loved ones what it is they're trying to do, why they're trying to do it. And I know you're probably thinking, but wait, didn't you just ask the parents and the guardians not to ask? Yes, but because sometimes it can get very overwhelming when you're in stress-like environments as the person trying to make the goals. So even if it's with good intentions, it could just feel like a lot. But then when that person, hence the first gen, second gen, come and just start sharing and opening, that then puts in a whole different perspective. So then everyone's just learning all the way around. And to top it off with that, with mentorship, I just want you to know that if you don't find the right mentor for you right away, that is okay. It takes time. It's like dating. You got to like, you know, get to know different people, whether it's faculty or peer mentor support groups on your campus It just, it takes time. And the best way to do is kind of just like, you know, be yourself, go out to networking events. And I know you're probably thinking, I don't even know how to be myself. No, no, no. But for real, it's just like, let things fall as they may, get to know people. And then when an opportunity arises where that person could be your mentor, then it'll happen. Or who knows, maybe someone already became your mentor and you didn't even know that's what it's called. And then it just goes from there type of thing. So it's, With that, just don't limit away from networking events. Don't limit yourself away from asking questions, whether it's in school or academia, because that can open the door for you to have a new connection or a new mentor to be able to guide you and tell you steps that will help you not have your journey feel so rocky in the beginning. Thank you, Estrella. Can you, I'm going to ask you one last question because you've mentioned this, you've transitioned to entrepreneurship from higher education. Can you tell us what that transition looks like? No, of course. So I'm not even year one yet of full-time entrepreneurship, but based on the experiences right now, it was a crazy turn. It was so crazy because I had spent the last 10 years building my higher education portfolio to apply to PhD programs and be a professor. 
But that's why I always have the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like even if you want this one career, like kind of be open, you know, to other stuff. I'm not going to lie. I wish I was more open than I was just so then I maybe I wouldn't have felt so much stress when um, it didn't work out that I didn't get into PhD programs this year. So having that pivot where it's just like, sorry, I had to do a sound effect. I didn't get into these PhD programs to be a professor. I don't want to stay being a teacher because like, I just need a break from education, like working as a professional, if I'm being honest, because it was just very heavy. And as we all know, too, teachers work very, very hard and we need to get paid more. (laughs) Look at me still talking like I'm still a teacher. But then I was just like, well, Estrella, you just gave this TED talk. You're in conversations of writing this book and you have brand deals coming in this year type of stuff. Why don't you just give entrepreneurship a chance? I mean, da da da. And so I was like, okay, like me to me, literally that conversation. And since that day, it's been going in the sense where opportunities are coming. And then sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what I'm doing. So it's a lot of twists and turns. But I definitely have to say, just trust your instinct. Even when you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, when you are meant to be somewhere, all the signs are just going to show. Thank you, Estrella. Can you tell us how we can work with you, how we can find you, how we can support you? Of course. So if you haven't already, please follow me on all socials. You can find me at Cafecito con Estrellita on Instagram, TikTok, da da da. Check out my website if you ever want to work with me one-on-one as a post-grad college coach. I really dive into detail on that on my website. And you can continue to learn more again on my website and subscribe to my podcast, Cafecito con Estrellita, so we can continue building a community over there. Gracias. Thank you so much for steeping in the world of Tadeen. I am your host, Chef Carla Contreras. You can find Tadeen at Tadeen Tees on Instagram and more information in the show notes. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, please leave us a review. Adios. 